to remain standing, we're going to read some scripture together. If you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to go to Luke 22. If you don't have a Bible, uh, download YouVersion's great app. And uh, today, we're continuing, finishing our series called Influencers. I hope you've enjoyed this series. I've loved it. You've heard from my coaches and from mentors in my life. You're going to hear from another one today, a really good friend that's been with me for a long time. You're going to hear the crazy story of how we met, uh, Scott Weatherford, who's been a coach and a friend. And uh, he's going to talk about sifting today. And so he's going to share, uh, you're going to see how a coaching call goes for me, and then I'm going to come back and have some words to say. But he's going to He's going to be talking about Luke chapter 22. So if you're new to the scriptures, Luke was not one of the disciples. He was, he was a follower of Jesus, and he got the accounts from, from Jesus' followers, and he wrote them down. And this is in all the Gospels, but in Luke 22, it's happening right, after, uh, right near the end of the uh, Last Supper. So Judas has gone to betray Jesus. Jesus is staring down the cross and at the end of this dinner, he says this, Simon, this is verse 31. Simon, Simon, and that, by the way, that's what his uh, given name was. Jesus called him Peter, but here reverts back to calling him Simon. Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said this, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you're going to deny three times that you even know me. Father, we ask for your anointing upon these words. You bring your anointing upon Scott as he speaks to us. May we be open to what the Spirit is speaking to us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So as I said, Scott's going to share, and then I'm going to come back and share a few moments as well. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it is always a privilege to talk to you, my friend. Oh, Brad, it's my joy, and I really appreciate you and your uh, influence in my life over these last what, 10, 15 years that we've uh, known each other, something like that? You know, I, I love to share the story of how we met because it's uh, so hilarious. I went to a church planting conference in Florida, right. and I'm sitting at this round table, and this guy sitting next to me, and we start talking. I'm like, man, why is this guy planting a church? This doesn't make sense. This guy knows everything. He, he knows all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm, so I'm picking your brain. I'm like, I, I don't know who this guy is, but I'm sitting by him the rest of the conference. And then in the middle of the conference, they go, well, and welcome up our next speaker, Scott Weatherford. And he <laughs> stood up and walked to the podium. And I looked at my wife and I went, I'm going to have this guy coach me. <laughs> and then you sat back down and it was on a break. I said, hey, do you do any coaching? You were like, uh, uh, no, not, I, not really. And, and that's when I said, well, will you, will you coach me? Yeah, yeah. And, and that, be, it, that began our journey. Yeah, and Brad, you know, we were planning a church in Tallahassee. Yeah. And uh, you would occasionally send me a little money. And uh, that, I mean, there were times that the check that you brought in were enabled us to buy groceries. So, you know, God used you in our life to provide for us in a very, very difficult season. Yeah. So I'm thankful for you. Well, and so that we're going to be talking today. Uh, yeah. you, you wrote a great book called Sifted uh, Leadership. Yeah. And I've used that with my staff and, and leadership teams 
And during this last year, I think there has been a great sifting that's taken place uh, in the church and even with us personally as believers. And yep. I know you have a lot to say about what it means to be sifted and the scripture that that comes out of and yeah. what that's all about. So speak to, because, and the reason I bring that up is so quickly is that season in your life, in some respects, you were being sifted. Oh but my like, gosh, yes. Let's, let's talk about what, what does it mean to be sifted? What is that? Well, it's, it, it's a great thing that comes out of Luke chapter 22. Uh, in fact, uh, when I was preparing to write this book, the publisher contacted me and said, hey, you know, you need to write a book about, you know, your experiences and in, in leadership and church planning because, you know, we've had a, a very amount of things that we've had opportunity to do. We planted two churches. We've revitalized three churches. In fact, in the middle of revitalization right now. And one of the things that I've discovered, Brad, is that anything you do for God, Satan is going to hear it and come against it. Mm -hmm. When you pray and ask Jesus into your heart, hell hears it as well. Mm. When you say, Jesus, I'm yours, I'm going to do this, hell hears it and the forces of darkness come against you. And it's just kind of disconcerting that this passage in Luke 22, Jesus says to Simon, 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 look out. That's what literally means in the Greek, look out. Satan has asked permission to sift each one of you like wheat. Now, obviously, oftentimes we read that in the singular. I keep pointing this way because my Bible's sitting right here. That um, we look at in the singular, sift you, Peter, like wheat, when actually it means all believers. Everyone that's going to follow Christ is going to experience the sifting of Satan. And now what sifting is, is a very practical thing uh, that when wheat was harvested, it was sifted to remove the, the husk from the grain, remove the, the uh, impurities from the grain. But in baking, sifting flour adds volume to the flour, which makes the flour you know cook better mm -hmm. and your cakes rise higher. It also removes any kind of impurities. I remember when I was a kid, my mother would get this ground meal from the meal. She'd have to sift it to get out, well, you know, bugs and rocks and things like that. So God says to us, I'm going to sift you to remove the impurities out of your life and to, and to fluff you up to make mm -hmm. you more usable. As Oswald Chambers says, that we might be broken bread and poured out wine so people can feast off of us until they can feast off of Jesus. So it's that adding volume and adding flavor. And anything that's done in a great way is always with adversities. Um, great athletes don't become great athletes out of the mother's womb. They, they work. Mm -hmm. Great singers, great artists, great communicators like yourself. You have to work on that, work on that craft. And it's a, a matter of a, a pull and tension. And in fact, if it weren't for the resistance of, of friction, we wouldn't move anywhere. But most so, people move away from that. And yes. like the, uh, the, the people, I think most people uh, would say, yeah, I want to do something great. I, I've got this dream. I've got this idea. Then you hit that wall, not the wall, but you hit that, that tension, that sifting, and you yeah. want to back off of it. Yeah, and the temptation to do that, we have to look at the totality of that scripture where he says Satan has asked permission to sift you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you that your faith will not fail. Mm. When Jesus prays, Jesus prevails. And so we have to come about the sifting with, the op with being optimistic that we have God himself, Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. praying for us. And he's holding us. And then it says, when you return, when the sifting is done, strengthen the brothers. 
leverage the sifting of your life for the ministry mm. of your life. I, I said this the other day that a Christian without a ministry is miserable and makes others miserable as well. Oh, let's say that, so, say that one more time because yeah, that's a really Christian good. Without, a Christian without a ministry is miserable yeah. and makes others miserable as wow. well. Yeah. So we're, we're called to serve and he sifts us to refine us that we may be serving more effectively. Think about this with Peter. Peter never denied Jesus again, ever. Uh, his timidity turned into an amazing boldness. Mm -hmm. um, the lesson he learned, Peter let a 13-year-old girl intimidate him. <laughs> Guys, really, a 13-year-old girl right. intimidate yeah. him. Yeah. You know, a middle school child intimidated Peter. Peter was never intimidated again, standing before whomever, boldly declaring because the sifting happened for the sifting. Peter might have faded into uh, history without making a, a mark for Christ at all. Wow. That's the way. Wait, hang on a second. Cause that's, I don't want to move by that. That I love that statement there without the sifting, he would have never became who he was. Right. The sifting crafted Peter yeah. and the sifting crafts us, crafts us. You know, I'm, I'm at the end run of my time on earth. I, I you know, I'm not going to die next week. Well, I might, but uh, you know, I know my time is short. Um, I feel like I'm quoting, quoting a classic rock song. You know, my time is at hand. What, <laughs> Dust in the wind, is that it? Old Dust. DJ, you know that <laughs> one. Yeah. Um, um, what was it? Um, anyway, uh, so I'm, I'm thinking now about not leaving a legacy for myself because I don't matter. 100 years from now, nobody's going to know who I am. It, it won't even take that long. Mm -hmm. Five years after I pass. But will they know Jesus because I live? And will I yield myself to the heavy hand of God mm. crafting what he wants from my life. Mm. Now, heavy, heavy handed, but soft handed, loving handed, future oriented hand. Uh, Corey Ten Boone said this, that Jesus is building uh, a temple for himself out of the rough timbers of my soul. So he's got work to wow. do. Wow. Yeah. So how do you, so people that are, are going through that sifting, and I mean this last year, I don't think oh a lot God. of people, I don't think a lot of people even recognize or even know like that it's a sifting that's taking place. And we, I think as, as believers, so many times we're just praying against it. Like, no, 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 take it away, take it away, take it away. And where it may be that yes, God may need to take something away, but at the same time, there's things that God says, no, I, I need to sift. There needs to be a sifting that takes place. And this last year, I think, has been a lot of that, people not recognizing even what God has been doing. Well, that's absolutely true, Brad. And we do, we do shy away from discipline. I don't think any child ever walks in to their parent, confess their sins, and ask to be spanked. They don't do that. Um, <laughs> you know, we don't confess until we're caught, and then we don't, even then, we don't tell at all. We want to find out right. how much you know. And uh, the thing is that what bothers me about this, this uh, passage of Scripture is that Satan asked permission and Jesus said, okay. Yeah. Like, I'm on Jesus. Tell him to shut his demonic pie hole and leave me alone, <laughs> you know? But that's because God will use Satan for good. Oh, yeah. And, Satan is that, and Satan's not, not this all-powerful being. He's subjugated to God, and God knows the end before the beginning. He, he allows Satan to do his dastardly deed, knowing full well that Satan's not going to win. He's going to mm -hmm. win. 
Right. It uses the refinement to make us better. And the thing is, I don't like to be disciplined. I don't. I I like I like for life to be, you know, comfortable. Mm-hmm. But we buy right. the myth, the myth that when you come to Christ, you're healthy, wealthy, and wise. In fact, that's mm-hmm. why some false teachings are so popular. If I follow Jesus, I'm going to have a pile of money. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to get sick. My wife is always going to be beautiful. My kids well behaved. Um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have all the, and that's just a lie. It's just and a I, lie. Well, the, I, but my wife will always be beautiful. I just want to. Point Absolutely. <laughs> well, that's, 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 a, that's a universal truth. Now, one of my favorite people from history uh, is uh, David Livingston. And David Livingston prayed this prayer, Lord, send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on my back, only sustain me. Sever any tie, but the tie that binds me to yourself. And mm. that's a dangerous prayer. Yeah. You know, because a lot of times I said, Lord, go with me, and I'm going to stay in Texas. While I'm in Texas, you stay with me. I'm not going to yeah. go to a crazy place like Canada, which I went for five and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, right after I left you, coaching you at Tallahassee, I went to, to Canada. Um, so you know, lay any burden on my back, but don't make sure, make sure it's not, you know, a burden of financial or relational or health, yeah. you know, make, make those burdens easy, like a cantankerous church member. I can handle that, but don't, you know, let me have any other kind of burden. And then uh, make sure that uh, my relationships always stay intact. Um, when really I'm, our most vital relationship is the relationship with him. Uh, of course, I know this when, when I'm right with him, I can be right with people. When I'm not right with him, I'm going to struggle being right with people. So he uses all of those things. Now think about this from a perspective. Peter sitting around the, the charcoal fire in Caiaphas's uh, courtyard. The 13-year-old girl intimidates him. He denies Jesus. His other friends, his disciples' friends are going, wait, what? You're Peter. You're the one who cut off the servant's ear. You're the one who hmm. says... You're the big mouth. What? Wait, 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 what? And then Peter has the relational influence to turn to the other guys and said, I'm going fishing. Who's going with me? And they all go fishing. And, you know, you're, you're thinking, okay, they're watching this guy, but then when he comes back, he comes back to strengthen. He comes back to strengthen Mm -hmm. with great authority. Yeah. Hey dudes, I screwed up. You know, I did. Mm-hmm. I'm back. Let's go. And they, mm-hmm. they went with him. Mm-hmm. So God always uses it. So you have to go through it, not enjoying it, knowing it, embracing it, looking for the other side of it. It's uh, the old joke about the Presbyterian preacher that fell down the stairs. Man, I'm glad that's over. That's what he said as he got up. That's a predestination. <laughs> but, uh, but the deal is with that, we can look with certainty that when we're going through this adversity, that God is going to come through. Yeah. Uh, one quick story, Brad. My father passed away uh, in 2007, and he was my hero. I, my dad led me to the Lord, best man at my wedding, the whole deal. First hands on me when I was ordained. Um, I just, my dad was my hero. I wish I could talk to him now. Uh, when he died, before he died, he called all the children to his bedside. And he blessed us all like an old Hebrew blessing. Wow. And then this is what he said. He said, kids, don't worry about me. This ain't nothing but a little dying. Oh, wow. That's the great eternal sifting is the sifting of the curtain of death. Mm -hmm. But 
with the Lord's near, it ain't nothing but a little Diana. Oh, wow. No fear because he had felt the, the grinding of the sifting all of his life. Yeah, yeah. To know that he was about soon to be done with this troubles of this world, going home to live with God, the old spiritual says. Mm. So, man, Scott, we could just keep going, but I, I, yeah. I just wanted people to get a, a glimpse first of all into what the what my last decade has been like. Um, ah. Laura says this. She says uh, she's not sure if you're uh, my a coach to me or a big brother. And, yeah, both. I'll take you as a brother. Yeah. yeah. And I said, you know, I think he's probably been a little bit of both because uh, I just want to affirm and thank you for your leadership in my life because you, you've you had a front row seat and you know the intimate details yeah. of the sifting that's happened in my life that, yeah. that I walked through about the time your book came out and yeah. how you helped me personally to walk through that. And I can attest to everything you're saying that coming out the other side of that, stronger, more committed, yeah. a, and a better man of God yeah. because of that sifting, that, that scripture of where it says, you know, what, what the devil means for bad, we say the devil means for bad, God means for good, and it's just so right. true. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing with us and uh, blessings on you, my friend. Oh, Brad, bless you. And I, I reciprocate that, that love for you and, and your sweet wife and love your church. And I'm glad to share with them. I've actually been to core church Yep. and, uh, and enjoyed that time in Oklahoma and, and, uh, hope to come back again in in the near future. So love you, man. Thanks for this opportunity. Thanks Scott. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to verse 31 in the passage, Luke twenty-two thirty-one, 31. And Jesus says again, he says this, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. So uh, can we get the house lights on too? Oh, they're coming on. Okay, because I'd love to see you guys. So what, what, is, what exactly is sifting? And even as Scott was talking, I think so often we can get it confused or there's a great, I think, misunderstanding about what sifting is. Sifting is not the situation or the circumstance in your life. In, in other words, like for, for Peter in this story, for Peter it wasn't the accusations and the threats that were made against them. Sifting is, is not a divorce. Sifting is not disease. Sifting is not death. Sifting is not uh, abuse. Sifting is not job loss or financial hardship. Sifting is about our response to those situations and circumstances that happen in our lives. I'd like for you to write this down. The devil wants to use sifting to shake your faith. That's what he's after. The devil wants to use sifting to shake your faith, but God wants to use sifting to strengthen your faith. In the sifting, it is either going to shake you or it is going to strengthen you. We, we see this in, in Peter, that God allowed Peter to be sifted. And, and the reason he allowed him to be sifted is because he knew the plans that he had for Peter. Peter had no idea that God's plan was for him to lead the entire church. Like, we're going to kick off the church, Peter, and you're going to do it. You're going to be in charge. He doesn't know this at this point, but, but God does, and God knows I've got to prepare Peter for that moment. 
So he's allowing Peter to be sifted so that Peter can be strengthened because if he doesn't go through the sifting, he's going to end up in the pages of the New Testament that we know, and, and he is going to fail miserably. And God doesn't want you to fail. He didn't want Peter to fail. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, God does not want you to fail. No, God has purposes, he has plans, and he has destinies for you. And God says, I'm going to use this, Peter, in your life. I'm actually going to use it to strengthen you and prepare you for the purpose that I have for you. James, the brother of Jesus, uh, he, in his letter, he kind of talked a little bit about the process of sifting. I think that helps us. In James 1.3, he said this, For you know that when your faith is tested, in other words, you know when your faith is sifted, your endurance has a chance to grow. So during the sifting, let it grow. Let it grow. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, let it grow. you got to let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, please say this with me, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Write this down. Sifting is a season of preparation. Just breathe with me for a moment. Sifting is for a season, not for a lifetime. Sifting is just for a season, and it's a season of preparation. In other, in other words, God wants to prepare you for the purposes and plans and destinies that he has for you. He's using this because he needs to strengthen you, and you need to allow him to strengthen you. And there is some good news. In the middle of the sifting, what we see from the words of Jesus is he does not leave you alone. You are not alone during the sifting. Look, look again at the scripture where Jesus in verse 32 says this, but I have, say it with me, what? Pleaded in prayer for you. Wow. Jesus was praying for Peter, and he's praying for you and I. He says, Simon, I prayed for you so that your faith should not fail. Scott said it this way. He said, when Jesus prays, Jesus prevails. Come on, somebody. That is good preaching. When Jesus, when Jesus prays, Jesus prevails. Come on, turn to somebody, encourage them, and say, Jesus is going to prevail in your sifting. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, Jesus is going to prevail in your sifting. Hold on to that. Because when you go through a season of sifting, Jesus is praying for you. How? Oh, that should bring you confidence. That should, that should build your faith. That should cause you... Man, Wait, if Jesus is praying for me, that means one thing. He loves you. He loves you. In the middle of the sifting, that's where you start to go, I don't think Jesus loves me anymore, or this would not be happening. Or am I the only one who's ever said that? Come on, everybody who's ever been through a sifting, you're like, well, I guess God just doesn't love me, and none of this is real. Those thoughts, that kind of thinking, sifting. There's a sifting going on. Your belief is being challenged. And God says, I, Peter, I want your faith to stand strong. I don't want you to fail. So when you go through that season, know that you have the power of God on your side. That you will prevail in that season of sifting. When I read this, I read into the text and I think, why did Jesus not give up on Peter? 
Like, I'm thinking, man, I got 12 guys. I trained them up for, for three years. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you, you, you build something into somebody, and now one of them has just gone off to betray you, and now you got another one. This guy's supposed to be in charge. I'm going to leave you in charge, in charge of my company, and you're going to be the one to raise it up, and now you're going to deny me. I'd be like, I'm done. I'm done with all, all y'all. All, I'm done. But it, it, he could have even in that moment said, okay, I got 10 others. All right, so where's Thaddeus? Thaddeus, where's Thaddeus, okay? Never mind Thaddeus, I can't spell that. No one will be able to spell that. So we're not going to use you. Thaddeus gets no street cred, poor guy. Some of you are like, is Thaddeus really a disciple? I don't. I rest my point right there. <laughs> but he didn't. He, he didn't. He didn't give up on Peter. And he doesn't give up on you. He believed in Peter and he believes in you. Like that, he is never going to give up on you. You can give up on yourself, even in that season of sifting. You can start to give up. He don't give up on you. He keeps praying. This, this prayer here that Jesus prays, it's not just, just only for Simon. It's not just for Peter, but it's, it's for all of us. Jesus says, I'm praying for you. I love it in verse 32. He says this, so when you have repented... Woo, somebody say repent. <laughs> somebody said like they grew up in a church that said that a lot. Repent. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Look, what's interesting is that Peter was warming himself by a fire when the sifting took place. Think about that. What does fire do? Fire brings the impurities to the surface. So here's, here's Peter, and he's, if you don't know the story, Scott alluded to it. He's in the courtyard, and Jesus is on trial, and Peter's listening, and he warm, goes up to warm himself by the fire. That's where that little 13-year-old junior high girl intimidates him. And I don't know what Scott was talking about, because I, if you've ever been around a 13-year-old junior high girl, they are intimidating. <laughs> so I get it. <laughs> but, but he gets... He gets in that moment, he's warming himself by the fire, and then all of a sudden the threats and the accusations start coming. You ever had threats? You ever had accusations made against you? Have you ever had somebody come up against you, speak bad about you on Facebook or social media? I mean, have you ever had that happen to you? And in this moment, all of a sudden, he's by the fire, and now he's beginning the sifting. The sifting is starting to take place in his life. God is bringing some things and allowing some things to come to the surface. Peter suddenly discovers, like, oh, Wow, I have a lot of fear in me. Fear comes to the surface. Pride comes to the surface. Peter was a very proud man. God's like, I've got to humble him because he's going to lead the church. And if he leads the church with pride, we are all sunk. And he's like, Peter was the kind of guy, I'm going to go cut that guy's ear off. Peter was just kind of a cocky guy, which just makes sense that the cock would crow over and over again because he was a cocky guy. That's just who he was. He's very self-reliant. He don't need nobody. I'm going to do this by my own. And suddenly he realizes he, he can't do it on his own. And this is what sifting does. When you know you're being sifted when things like, like bitterness come to the surface. Oh, that's how you know the sifting has started. When jealousy comes to the surface, when envy comes to the surface, when greed comes to the surface, when discontentment comes to the surface, that's how you know, oh, wait a minute. Whew, okay, I'm being sifted right now. Pride comes to the surface. You're being, you're being sifted. And there's two responses that we have when it comes to sifting. I believe one is reason and the other is repent. Those are the two choices you have. 
You can reason or you can repent. Come on, turn to somebody and say, it's best to repent. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, it's best to repent. Because the devil will try to get you to reason. Oh, you have every right to be bitter. What they did, what happened, you have every right to be discontented. You have waited and you have prayed and you have prayed and nothing has happened. If I were you, yeah, you have every right to curse God. You have every right to turn away from God. You have every right to question God. Oh, you know, th this is happening in the workplace and this is happening and this is going on and, and you're a little bit jealous. You have every right to be jealous of what's happening in that moment. You will reason it out. He'll try to get you to reason it out and to give up on your faith. But God, God's plan is to get you to repent. He wants you to repent. In other words, God comes to you and he says this, let me, let me remove that bitterness. I, I, I'm actually bringing it to the surface because I want to get it out of you so you can become everything I've created you to become. I want to get that jealousy that you're feeling, oh, the discontentment you're feeling, that greed, the envy, all the things, the pride that's coming to the surface. He says, I'm doing that for a reason because I want you to become everything you were created to become. I have purposes and I have plans. I have destinies for you, and you will never get there if you don't go through the sifting. So I've had multiple sifting moments in my life, and I was like, which one do I pick, God? There's a lot of them. But I remember one specifically uh, about a dozen years ago. At that time, our church was meeting in East Tulsa, and we were at the Green Country Event Center. Some of you were there. You were a part of that. And we'd only been there, I don't know, about a, maybe a month. And the management of the Green Country Event Center came to us and said, hey, by the way, totally forgot about an event that we have scheduled in October. And it's on a Sunday, and you're not going to be able to use the room that you're in. We, we were a, a new church. We didn't have anywhere else to go. You meet my living room. This is not going to work. I'm like, what do you mean you don't have a place that we can meet? And they go, hey, it's, it's just they just need that room, and I can't tell them no. And Okay, well, the good news was there was another church that met there, and one of my good friends, Greg Taylor, he actually spoke uh, a few months ago. You may have seen that. And, and Greg said, hey, um, I'll tell you what. You can use our room. I will end 15 minutes early if you'll start 15 minutes late. I don't know what I was thinking. I was like, because what preacher, what preacher ends 15 minutes early? Come on. This preacher don't. But I said, ooh, sounds good. <laughs> I was like, well, I bought that lie. Uh, I said, okay, all right, sounds good. Day of the, day of the uh, small festival shows up. Small festival. We pull onto the grounds. There's nowhere to park because the entire massive parking lot is full of cars, and this festival is not small. There's like thousands of people on the grounds like ants, and they're all wearing crazy costumes, like crazy costumes. They're all dressed different. They're dressed in these crazy things, and, and, they're, and then they're, it looks like the, the fair. They have booths everywhere. It looks like the Tulsa State Fair, and they have this massive arch entry. Welcome to the festival, and I was like, oh, no, it's not happening. And I'm like, no one's going to know where to go. We're not even in the same room. They can't find us. And so we're, we're standing in the, in the entrance to the building trying to help people figure out where we're going to go. And then it comes time for my buddy Greg to end his service 15 minutes early. I'm not bitter. But he, 
He doesn't. He goes 15 minutes over. Like, what's he doing? Everybody's standing around, and people are wondering, what's going on? People are actually leaving. Like, people who came to church are like, I'm gone. And they're leaving. I'm like, wait, hang on, hang on. And people have brought guests with them. Oh, if you're a guest today, I'm glad you didn't come 12 years ago. Because I can tell you, there ain't a single person in this church that would say, that was my first Sunday, and I fell in love with the church. <laughs> Finally, he lets out. We go in. The band has to do a sound check. But we, we don't know where our people are at, and everybody's coming in. They're coming out. We don't know who's who. Next thing we know, the auditorium is full like this. Everybody's sitting down. The band gets up. They launch into their song. They start singing. It's, a, it's, it's rehearsal, so it's a sound check. And everybody's like, oh, stand up. And they're like, yes, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. And then all of a sudden, the band stops. They're like, test, test, one, two, check, 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 check. People are like, oh, oh. I'll never forget we were in a series playlist that we typically do every year, and we do these different songs from the radio. I'll never forget we were doing this country song. I will never forget it. It's the appropriate song for the day. It's a country song. If you're going through hell, keep on going. Don't slow down. Maybe the devil won't even know you were there. I was like, yeah, if you're going through hell. I remember the band. I remember standing on and standing over like on the, the second row, and, and the band is going, if you're going through hell. And I'm going, yeah, I'm going through hell right now. I'm going through hell. I, it, it's funny now, but at the time, honestly, it was, it was, if I'm honest, it was one of the most humiliating moments I've ever had. I was so embarrassed. And I was standing there, and I was like, if I could just get this six-foot-four frame down low enough where people would not see me. And in that moment, I, I, God just, the, 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 the sifting started. I didn't even know I needed to be sifted. Pride came to the surface. I didn't think I struggled with pride. God said, you're embarrassed, and you're humiliated because it's all about you. It's about your reputation, and it's about what people think about you. That wasn't easy to take. That wasn't easy to swallow. I, I remember thinking about Peter here and self-reliance. I'm, I'm just a make it happen kind of guy. We're just going to make it happen. I can, I can just get things done. I, I, I pride myself on this idea that, that man, there's nothing that's going to stop me. I so relate to Peter because I, I get this idea like, no, they, I will bulldoze through and I will make it happen. Because God's kind of put that in me a little bit to have that kind of spirit. But it was almost to the point where I was misusing that and God's like, what are you going to do? And I just remember how humbled I was in that moment. And I had an opportunity in that moment. I could either reason it out. I have every right to be upset. I was angry at my friend. I was angry at the event center for what they had done. I have every right to be, right? I mean, come on. I have every right to be angry. You know, I have every right to be embarrassed. I mean, look how horrible this was, and look what happened in this. And God, in that moment, 
He said, are you going to, are you going to repent? And it was just in that moment standing there that I just remember having this conversation with God and God really saying, um, are you done? Are you done trying to do it all by yourself? Are you ready to try my way? That's pretty humbling, by the way, for a pastor that's supposed to be doing it God's way and to recognize you're a little bit off course. And I just remember from that moment on that God said, I, I want to build this church on prayer. So the very event that I would curse in my life, I, I count as one of my greatest blessings. I would never want to go through it again. I wouldn't wish it on anybody else's starting a church. But that's how God got my attention. And it wasn't the, the, the situation or the circumstance. It was my response. That's where the sifting took place. So I just encourage you, if you're going through hell, keep on going. Let God do the sifting. Let him bring those things to the surface so that you can be strengthened.